stay definitely connected and um, connected to what God is doing. But what do we know? Basically is this, that our mind is a battlefield, bottom line. Our mind is completely a battlefield. And most life's battles are won or lost in the mind. Most of the battles that are won or lost in the mind, and I guess you would say in other words that uh, the life that we have in so many different ways is a result of the thoughts we think. The life that we have in so many different ways is the thoughts that we think. What you think ends up being what you do. What comes into your mind tends to come out into your life. Whatever you put in your mind is going to be a result and it's going to be into your life. If you have a negative mind, church, if your mind is negative, it's almost impossible to have a possible a, a positive life when your mind is consumed with negative thoughts. If your mind is negative, it's, it's so impossible to do. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 in the NIV talks about the Apostle Paul. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world wages. As the world does. Now, man, I'm telling you right now, I could hit the brakes and I could preach on this all day long. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world wages war. The too many problems we've got our mouth going about things and our thumbs going about things. And we're no different than the way the world wages war. Stop. Got to go. I'll preach on it sometime. The weapons we fight are not weapons of the world, but on the contrary, the weapon, our weapons, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Man, that, that has set you free right there. What are strongholds? Strongholds is a wrong pattern of thinking. They demolish the wrong pattern of our thoughts. Many of us are held hostage by the lies we believe. So we, we demolish arguments in every pretension that, self, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive. Somebody say captive. No, no, see, that's why you ain't taking it captive. Captive. We take, yes, you've got to grab a hold of it like it's an aggression. We take captive every thought. Every thought. Every single thought. If you're taking something captive, now listen, I'm not trying to bust somebody's bubble when they first say captive. If we live our life taking ca captive, oh, I can't take it. I can't grab it. Oh, it's whatever. Let's just take it captive. Then every cat, if we don't take it captive, then what does it do? It runs around. It runs around our mind. Every of those negative thoughts just keep going. And they end up getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We take it captive and we make it obedient. Under Christ. Every thought. Did I say every thought? Every thought. Not some of those other thoughts. All thoughts. Everything gets to go under the authority of God. Because if you don't put it under God, then you put it where? Somewhere else. Then if God is not the head of it, then are you? Where, where else would you put it? Are you in charge? 
Now, he gives you the authority to take it captive to put it under so he can have the authority. But if you don't take it captive, you just make it like a pet. And you put it on a leash and walk it around. Hide it in a closet so nobody can see it at church and pull it back out when you get in the car. But you've got to take it captive so you can live a free, full life, full of him. Today's message, the title, if you're looking to take notes because it'll get you to heaven quicker, is reframe your thoughts. Reframe your thoughts. That's today's message. Reframing your thoughts. We have to. To have a new mind, to have a new you, and God doing something new, you've got to reframe the thoughts you have. <clears throat> We've been talking about the power of the mind and um, as God created the mind, and <clears throat> it's incredible uh, what the mind can do. It's also complex. It's very complex, the mind is. And we've been talking about a little bit off and on about how um, neural pathways. If you weren't here and if you need a refreshing of your memory, that right there. The neural pathways. And what's interesting is every time you think a thought, every time you think a thought, you're actually creating a pattern or a pathway in your brain. Every thought is it's firing off in your brain going every direction. And the more often you think that thought, the easier it is for you to think that thought again. So what is it? Are we taking captive the negative? What are we doing with the thoughts we have? Because if we're not putting it under the authority of God, what, whatever we're going to think on is going to be thinking again. Because if we put it under the authority of God, then God gives us the word of God that comes back at us and says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Or um, You see what I'm saying? You start quoting the scriptures to start dwelling on the new thought patterns that it's firing in your brain. This is real stuff, guys. The neural pathways. I want to explain on this idea. <coughs> Woo. About the mind. called cognitive bias or what others often call a men mental filter a cognitive bias what is a cognitive bias you're like man you're doing hard words today Sunday school welcome what's a cognitive bias man if you actually read and study there's so many amazing things out there and even about the mind and, and the mind of Christ a cognitive bias is a mistake in reasoning based on a personal experience or preference. A mistake in reasoning, that's what it means, based on a personal experience or preference. It's a mistake in reasoning on what, what you prefer. We call it a, another word, it was mental filter or a mental framework in your life. In other words, if you grew up in a context, and you have something really bad happen to you, a lot of the times, you have a framework of thinking or a filter through that, which you might see the situation inaccurately. Because of what has happened, and you might see it through a different framework, differently. For example, and some of these are like, some of these examples could be tough. Like, maybe you, you've been through a, a bad relationship, and unfortunately, there's maybe you grew up around an abusive man. Some man was abusive. 
And so because you were hurt and abused by a man, now a lot of the times when you see men, all men aren't hurtful. They're, they're all not abusive. But because of what you've endured, your filter tends to shape how you see men. Does that make sense? So it, what you've endured, it, it shapes the whole picture of, of just men in, in general. And because of what happened to you, oftentimes you make an accurate judgment about someone else around you. When you have hurt happen, you make that judgment about somebody else that had nothing to do with your hurt. Or, or for example, and I've heard this before growing up at times, with not with my parents, but with just other people and friends and stuff. And some people might say, like, uh, wealthy people uh, are bad. They're just selfish. They're just this and that. Wealthy people are bad, and they're evil. They're this and that. And so what they're... So then when you find yourself starting to succeed in life and in business and you're financially um, succeeding, you might feel guilty or ashamed. It's, it's not that it's bad that, that, that your filter is, uh, it's how you see it. It's, it's not the bad of, of having the money. It's just the way you've been raised and, and the way you have put this filter over everything. I mean, let's just be real about it. That's why we deal with racism still. People have put filters over things, and it's, it's wrong. That would be a good amen right there. But it, it, it's wrong, and, and because of a filter, it just goes through generations. And so these things are, are, are crazy. The filter you have shapes how you see life, bottom line. The filter you have when you deal with a situation, it shapes how you see life in general. What's interesting is if, if you change the filter, it often changes how you feel. If you change the filter in, in, in the things that, that you look at, if somebody hurts you, that doesn't mean somebody else is going to hurt you. You can't put your hurt from somebody else on, on a different person. If it, let's just say in relationship-wise. If you go into a new relationship and you've had a bad relationship and you're hurting and there was abuse going on, it's not fair to the new person that didn't do that to you because you still got the same filter focused on that. You can't make it in a relationship like that. <laughs> I don't care if it's dating-wise, going into marriage, or even friendships. And so you've got to change the filter, but again, it's the filter you have shapes how you see life. If you change the filter, you can change the feel, right? I know it's a little bit of teaching, a little bit, of, it's a little different today, but I want you to dig into this because I promise you, if you can apply this to your life, it will change everything about your life. You know, when you're posting a photo and... <coughs> It doesn't seem just right. Because of our cell phones, we're able to add a filter. People add so many filters. There's so many random, dumb filters out there. And, and, and if it's not good, you could actually add a filter to shine it up, to brighten it up, to look like you're in the middle of a, a, a nice sunny day. Looks like you got the best Botox you've ever received in your life. You see those people? like They're like, how? <laughs> Guys, listen, if you're, if you're not uh, married or if you're single, you want to meet a good girl or you want to know who she really is, go to the pool and see her. Swim. We ain't checking out bodies. Or not. I'm just saying you're going to see her face in all of its glory. <laughs> because 
people are swiping right trying to find a relationship, and they're all filtered up. Like, I want to see who you really are without these big things that are wiping up and down in your eyes. What did you say, Dad? They go in before you do, about five feet before you enter the room? Holy cow, what the heck are those? And I need to flip you upside down and sweep the floor. Where, where are you at? Now, if I'm dating somebody and I get married and my wife coming home and taking off her eyes and her hair and taking everything off, I'm like, hold up. I wasn't prepared for that relationship. I need to know that up front. Like, I put on stuff. I do stuff. I need to know those things up front. Don't be scaring me. <laughs> Don't be adding all this stuff. <laughs> Without me knowing. I'm not saying, like, if you got your little wipers on, that's fine. Like, if you do you, that's fine. But don't, like, I'm good. We, me and my wife, we're good. So however you do your thing. But if you really want to know who somebody truly is without all the filters, just meet him underwater. Because <laughs> you know something's going to be flying off and swimming away. <laughs> Get back here. <laughs> and some of those girls, boy, they'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> How's it going today? Okay, I got to stop. I got to preach. Woo! Jesus. Uh, and you know it's crazy when um, <laughs> this ain't comedy hour, like, but my mind's going somewhere. Like, there's cartoons in my head real bad. Um, but you, it's crazy when uh, those filters happen, but when they're unnecessary, it does change how everything looks. You could be, like, just, just sitting and chilling. You got that good side view, and then somebody can mess up your picture. Now, I look like something off Harry Potter or something weird. Like, I don't even know what that is. But that's my daughter throwing some good, yeah, thanks, Jay, throwing some filters and ex expending my nose and my ears. Now, I can just be sitting, and I, was, I didn't even know she did it because I was just, like, just sitting there. Was I driving? Uh, yeah, I had to have been, I guess. Yeah, you weren't driving. Uh, so I was just driving, I guess, and just chilling. But you just never know who's going to throw a filter on you. So you got to be careful. Look, I got a couple more. What's, what's another one? Yeah, so, you know, that looks like something off, uh, like, Muppet Babies or something, or Sesame Street, Beaker or something. I don't know, something weird. Um, and there's one more, uh, just filters that mess your life up. Like, that is a nightmare in, in a package right there. You know what that reminds me of? i got to start preaching. But uh, it's the villain on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Remember me, Eddie? When I killed your brother. <laughs> when he gets ran over at the end. I'm just going back to my 90s. Sorry. Woo. Oh, it was earlier now, actually. It was in the 80s. Um, but you can get rid of that. That is demonic. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, is when, when you change the filter, it completely changes how, how it feels. When you change the filter, it changes everything. When, when you change it. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, you got to be, side note. Your youth pastor is famous for catching people off guard with filters. I've, I've watched him many times do stuff like that. And I'm watching you today, Sam, while I'm preaching. Don't be doing dumb stuff to me. They'll be doing that stuff. They, they'd just be cutting up because it is funny to see. But the thing is, it changes everything. What is a cognitive bias? It's what we, we might call a default filter. It's a default filter when our brain is pre-wired to think a certain way or it's pre-wired to interpret a situation even if our interpretation isn't completely accurate. This is why two different people can, <coughs> can respond completely different in the same exact situation. Two different people could be together but have a different response. It, why? 
Why can both of you go and have the same conversation and have the different response? And it's because of your filter. I guess for an example, you might be at a workplace and your supervisor might be, might want to come in and give you uh, some feedback. Two people, same feedback, same way, the exact same time with two different people. And the way they receive the feedback can be very different because of their filter. One person could be offended. One, the guy could give this whole feedback about this business and say everything the exact same way, but one could get offended and say, "This this is wrong. What are you talking about? I do my job. Don't you know how valuable I am? Can you get so offended because of the filter they have? I don't even like you anyway. You know, like, just start going off and saying dumb stuff. Why are you giving me all this feedback? Do you even know what you're talking about? You don't know how much I give to this company. Are you kidding me? And you can get so frustrated in, 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 in somebody giving you feedback because of your filter. Now, the next person could seriously have the exact, the per, that man could give the exact same conversation. And the next person could be completely different because of their filter. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's really helpful. That's going to make me do better at my job. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, that, that you took the time to value me and have a conversation with me so, so I could be better at what I'm doing. Thank you for the feedback. All that change was somebody's filter. It was the exact same thing. But too many times, if, if we have the wrong filter, we're going to just pop off at the mouth and we're going to view everything completely different. It's the same at church. We see it all the time. Two people could go to the same church. One person could come in. Christians are all hypocrites. I don't want to go to church. I hate the music. It's kind of too loud in here. This place is stupid. I don't even want to come back. It's not for me. And they could have came in together. And the next person could come in and say, wow, that was amazing. And I loved how passionate the worship was. Man, the people were so loving and amazing. They didn't even know me, but they told me they loved me and they, 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 they cared. I feel, I feel that for real. Maybe God wants me here. Maybe this is where I need to be. This is where I need to put my roots down. This is it. It's not the facts that are different. It's what? The filter. The two people, same two people came in, and they both looked at it different. One was probably real critical, and the other one was just glad to be in the house of the Lord. It's all how you look at it. And another one, I'm not even going to get into this, but a lot of times it's like the news source. Depending on what news network you listen to is how it's going to be filtered. And there's so much going on. It's not the facts, it's the filter. Depending on what, what you listen to. You can see a lot of these examples, and one big one is in, uh, in Numbers chapter 13. And you can go through and read this later, but I'm going to talk to you about it. When, when Moses sent out 12 spies to cross the land and go over to the promised land as a spy, to, to, what are we going to deal with here? We're, we're, now, mind you, they had to go 40 years around, okay? They didn't have to do that yet. They were close enough to the promised land that they sent 12 over. Hear me on that. They were so close that they already sent 12 over to talk it out. All 12 went. All 12 saw the same thing. All 12 looked at the whole thing. Two of them came back saying, oh, my goodness. 
It is beautiful. The grapes are huge. The land is gorgeous. God has given us a promised land. We can take this land. You know what they were looking at through the filter? They were looking at the fact that <laughs> he, split the, he split the Red Sea and devoured my enemies. He gave me a pillar by night and, a, and, a, and a, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. He did all kinds of stuff. He, he did all kinds of stuff. He, he made a way. He gave us all the riches of, of Egypt. He done everything. Well, we got this. But 10 of them said, no, 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 no. No, this ain't good. They were negative. This ain't happening. No, there's no way. Almost perhaps representative of, and, and I hope not, but not our church, but a lot of places out there where it's more easy to be negative and afraid and critical than to fight for a positive attitude. This happens all the time where people are so critical, so negative. If it don't go their way, if they're, they're here and, and they start just observing, like if you come to church and all you do is just you're scoping the whole time, you have missed why you're here. You got to just get your roots in and just get what God has in store for you and start getting plugged in. You know, like real simple, like, we're still needing kids, people to sign up for kids' ministry. Got the door finally in. We got the frame almost done. Like, we're, we're real close, but we need more people so we don't wear out the people that are doing it. Leadership development, that's all we're doing back there. And they're having a blast back there today. But, but if somebody's critical, I don't want to do that. I just want to do it like this. I don't want to do that. I just want to come to this. I don't want to miss this. You will never miss it. There's opportunities to listen and watch it. Anyway, a little plug but they came back and they said, listen, we're, this ain't going to work. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, the land devours us, which is funny to me. The land devours you? The other two were like, the land's beautiful. We're like grasshoppers to these giants. Everything is so crazy. What happened? Their filter changed. Their perspective of how they felt. And the, how they felt was like grasshoppers. So they felt like that. So that's the filter they held on to. It wasn't the fact that was different. It was what? The filter. The filter was different. It's, it's not just the filter that matters. It's also the frame. It's also the frame. How you frame it? How do you frame it? How do you frame the day? Because we have to reframe our thoughts. For instance, you could have woke up today and been like, it's pouring down rain. I wonder how many people didn't come today just because it was raining. Not just here, just any church in our city. Just because of the rain. How do, you, how do you frame the day? When you're looking at the day, how do you frame it? You can be in the very same situation, and how you frame something determines how you see it. Can you put that picture up, just the main one? Is this the main, main one? This is a great picture. You ever been up in the clouds in the airplane and you just see like the sun doing some crazy stuff over through the clouds as you're flying through? You, however you frame it is how it's going to be for you today. I want to give you something about reframing. You have to. Reframing it is creating something different a way that looks at the situation and, and however you reframe it is how you're going to deal with it. it. It basically creates a different way of interpreting 
or looking at the situation and changing its meaning, the whole meaning of it. I'll give you an example. You can frame the day. You can frame, you can frame this day bad. This whole thing is going to be bad. This day's bad. So I'll just focus on down here at the bad. Where's the bad at? Well, it's bad. Now it's out. Now it's real bad. Now we don't even have it. Now it's back. Now it's bad. <laughs> but how do you frame your day? You could have woke up today. We have the sun out, but is, is, is your day more focused over here? Is it more focused over here in the dark areas? Let's look at the other picture. Look, is it, is it focused? Because nothing's changed about this picture, which looks like it's not even there, but it's there. Do you understand what I'm saying? The picture's still there. It's just real dark. See it? How did you frame it? Go back to the other picture. How did you frame it? It's still there. It's just zoomed in over here. It's still there. Is it going to be a bad day? Is it a bad day? The people I work with are crazy. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm done with this job. I'm overwhelmed. I'm tired with life. My kids are driving me crazy. My husband's driving me crazy. I'm tired of this job. I keep doing the same thing over and over. How are you framing the day? The picture's the same. The, the day is the same. What are you putting into it? What are you doing to frame it? What are you doing? <sighs> I hate my job. I hate people. I hate. <laughs> and, and, and look, it, it all depends. Put it on the bad one again. It all depends. This is the major blown up and huge. How did you frame it? Is it all this? Everything's cloudy. Everything's barely making Look, I can't even get the sun to fully shine on my situation. I'm like, my God, I, I can't. I'm always going to have troubles. Or is it something different? Let's show the main one. Is it, is it something different? Let's get closer. Yeah, there you go. The, the sun's shining, and it's shining even brighter. Nothing's changed about the picture. All I did was zoom in on it because I framed it. I've chose to frame this picture, this moment. Nothing's changed. The darkness is still over there. Some of it is still way up there and way down there, but I'm choosing to keep the frame on the light. I'm choosing to keep the frame on the sun. And Lord knows we best keep the frame on the Son of God because if not, everything else is going to fall apart. No matter what you face, is it going to be a good day? It's going to be a great day today. I'm thankful for God being with me today. He woke me up today. I'm alive and well. I'm breathing today. Because some people, some of you all just like, I just rolled out of bed. Some of you, it's a, it's a battle just to get. You don't, you don't know other people. Listen, you do not know what it took for some people to get into this place today. Just to get here. But we take advantage of it. But how do you frame the day? Oh, oh i got to go to church today. You know, I just don't want to do that because I don't want to get that phone call saying we missed you. And, uh. Oh. Side note to that, if somebody calls you and tells you they missed you, it's because they did. If you feel offended by it, check your frame. Well, you know, I was doing this, and while I was doing that, everybody gives excuses, and it's not even about excuses. It's just about how you framed your day. Our frame is like we know the goodness of God. We know that it's better when you're here. We believe in you. We love you. I don't, if, if you're sick, we're praying for you. If you're on vacation, that's fine. Even if we know, it doesn't matter. We just missed you. 
Why do you feel offended when somebody tells you they miss you? But I just feel so lonely. But when people try to connect to you, you still push them away. Anyway, (laughs) how do you frame it? How do you frame your day? How do you frame your moments? How do you frame this stuff? It's going to be a good day. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the old clunker that's going to get me to point A to point B today. This old busted car, I'm thankful. Or is it cloudy with a chance of meatballs and everything else? Is it just bad, man? This car sucks. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, how do we frame the day? We're all framing the day, people. Every time we wake up, we're choosing what we're going to put the frame on. Why is it always framed bad Mondays but good Fridays? I just got to get to work on Monday. Look, if you knew you was going on vacation Monday afternoon at 4 p.m., your Monday would be shining bright. Woo! So that tells me that it's how you framed it. You're just excited because something's happening on Monday afternoon. But if it's just a regular work week, you've already framed it negative just because it's Monday. No, This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad. I will frame it because he's given me an opportunity to make an impact in the day, to lead people to Christ, however that looks, through my day. How do you frame your day? It's good. Even though I work with crazy people, it's okay. They're good. I'm thankful because they're good people. I believe I'm going to have a good day today. This is going to be a bad day. I ain't got no house, no place to live. I'm just going to walk around here. It's just what it is today, just sitting here. Eeyore, get up. (laughs) Change your frame. Some of you all got some spiritual darkness framed all over your house. Switch them out. It's good. You're good. If it's cloudy, it's okay. The sun, the sun is still shining above the clouds. It still is. It's cloudy outside. But I promise you, get in a jet and go above it. It is beautiful up there. It's a good day. What are we doing about it? It's good. It's not the facts that change. It's how you framed it. And some people, they do that with God. I don't like, let's go with the negative stuff here. I'm going to frame it down here. Boom. That's a big negative. Like, let's go. I just don't like what God's doing or letting this, this happen in my life. You know what I mean? We start framing it negative. And, you know, even if you can see that it, there's positive, we're focused over here. Why would he allow this to happen to me? Why would God put this, in my situa- put this situation in my life? Knowing that he's right there. Knowing that all you have to do is frame it on him no matter what. He's got you. We deal with this daily. We shift the frame all the time. We got to frame this. We got to frame the day. Frame the mind. It's all in your mind. See, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Let me say that again because that should set you free. That should be something you tweet and put on your social media because you put all kinds of crap on there. So put this on there. You cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. You can control that. How you frame it. That's the good news. I can control how I frame it. 
Now, I'm not saying taking lightly of people's situation, but how do you frame your situation? Do you automatically live in the negative of it and get your mind there because we don't take it captive under the authority of Christ? So we put our mind on the negative and dwell on it? Or do we cast our cares upon him who cares for you? And go to the word of God and go and, and search out what God says about what you're dealing with. I'm going to trust in you, God, with all my heart. I am not going to lean on my own understanding. In all of my ways, I will acknowledge you, and you will direct my path. What are we doing with the frame that we have? In the relationships, in all, in all kinds of ways. Whew. Is this good stuff? Man. And, and there's so many examples of stuff because... A lot of times people do the exact opposite because you want to frame it right, but then maybe some, some of you, you, you dreamed of having a, a great marriage, and that's exactly what you wanted, and you prepared for it, and you prayed about it, and you, you were pure, and you worked on it, and you worked towards it, and you married your sweetheart, and later it ended up in divorce. You wanted, the, you wanted it, and, it, and it was the exact opposite. Or maybe you went to college and you studied for a degree and you've been trying to study for all these things and do great things and you felt like you were prepared to do something great and meaningful and now instead you're doing a job that's unrelated, that's beneath your education. And you wonder, how in the world did I get here? I went to school for this, but how did I get here? Maybe at the point of your life you thought you would be married and, or you thought you, you thought you would be financially set, out of debt. Maybe travel, maybe ministry. I don't, I don't know. Make a difference. However that looked, but it, it's not happening just yet. I, maybe start a business. I'm trying to start a business. and I'm trying to, I, I feel like I need to do that because I'm good at this. And here we go. And you find yourself waking up, why am I not where I want to be? Why am I not where I want to be? And you're so confused by it. If you ever wake up and you think, this isn't what I wanted, I wanted the exact opposite. I don't know if anybody's done that, but it's real. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I signed up for. I want the exact opposite. I'll tell you this. The Apostle Paul knows exactly how you feel. I didn't sign up for this like this. The Apostle Paul, because you're, you're trying to frame this, and every time you try to frame this, you know what the worst thing is about the house sometimes? Is you try to hang something on the wall, and your frame falls and breaks, and your mirror, the glass on it breaks, and it, you, you mess it all up. And every time you try to frame this the right way, it ends up falling in behind the couch, somewhere dark, somewhere you don't want to frame it. Is this real talk, church? This happens all the time. And you wonder why, and like, why am I here? Why does this keep happening? Why won't this stay there? Why does it end up here? The Apostle Paul knows exactly. His story is, is crazy, and it's, I guess you would say it's emotional to me because a heart, his heart for God, he, he only wanted to serve God, and he only wanted to please God, and he felt called to Rome to preach the gospel. This is the Apostle Paul. He felt called to Rome to preach the gospel. He's trying to frame this whole thing up. Because why? He knew that if he could reach 
the people in Rome, then it was a strategic place that could get the gospel spread to the world. If I could get to Rome, I could help spread it to the world. If I can frame this just right at Rome, I can spread it to the world. So I guess you would say his dreams, his bucket list, his prayers, his greatest desire, his calling was to go to Rome and preach. Instead, instead of being in Rome preaching, he finds himself in Rome as a prisoner. Now, he didn't frame that. He wanted that to be a different situation. But what got framed was him going to Rome as a prisoner. In, a, in, in an awkward situation and almost being to a point of being executed. Not only a prisoner, but on the verge of execution. Everything he wanted, he got the exact opposite. You ever been there? Everything you desired. See, and getting the exact opposite, Paul could have framed this really bad and really in a different way. He could have framed it out of a negative side. He could have started using the bad side of framing things. He, he could have framed that up real bad. Now he's in prison. He's on his way. He's writing letters. He's trying to share the gospel. He's in prison. He's almost going to die, and now he's got to frame this. The, the frame that he chooses, can, is that the big picture, the main one? The frame he chooses is going to determine his outcome. Hear me, church. Whatever you choose as your frame in this moment is going to determine your outcome. Are you going to choose the light or are you going to choose the darkness? Are you going to choose it's going to be good and bright and glorious? Or are you going to choose to frame it bad? I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe that God would allow me to be in this position. I can't believe this is happening to me. What are you talking about? How do we frame this moment? Because whatever we put up and nail to the wall is what's going to be framed. See, he could have done it a bad way. I want to show you a scripture in Philippians 1, 12, and 13 in the, the NWV version, which is the New Winers version. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that all has happened to me really sucks. As a result of the hell I've been through, I'm quitting Ribnet Church and never coming back to church. The NWV, the New Winers version. Now, I got I to gotta give a disclaimer real quick because some of you are looking for your phone. I'm like, I like that NWV. That's my kind of version. I need that version in my life. I need that. That fits me right there. That's my life. That's my soul right there. N -N -W NWV. That's not real. I made it up. That's not a real version. But if, if Paul would have framed it that way, he would have said all this, and I'll repeat the whiner's version, is now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, haters and naysayers, that what has happened to me really sucks. As a result of all the hell I've been through, I'm quitting Ribnet Church, and I'm never going back. Unfortunately, we've had people leave the church and go ahead and frame something different. Let's just be real about it, because no matter what church you go to, it happens all the time. And I get like there's situations when things need to happen because things are out of order. But when the house of God is healthy and you leave for a bad reason, you've done hung your frame somewhere else. But that's the uh, New Winers version. And it, you will not find that in a Bible app. I know you're looking. I know that, that's, that feeds your soul. That, that's your, man, that is my version. I need that version. 
in my life. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just want to let you know that's not real. Where's that at? I need to find that. I, I, I connect to that. That's my favorite. <laughs> let me read it. what he says, uh, because depending on how he frames it. Philippians 1, 12 through 14. I want you to know, <coughs> brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, <coughs> basically, although it may really look bad to most people, it's actually served to advance the gospel. Ooh, man, he is framing this real well because he's supposed to be in Rome doing something. He said, he said this, as a result, it comes clear to those in the palace guards. Guess what, church? Even though it looks like Paul is in a bad situation, in a bad shape, but when he reframes it, it's clear. Here we go. It's clear to everyone else that I'm actually in chains for Christ. Wow. Wow, wow. So what happened? I'm locked up in Rome. Here's Paul saying, I'm locked up in Rome. I'm locked up in Rome to a Roman guard. I'm locked up with a Roman guard for eight hours. And every eight hours, I get a new Roman guard. So who do you think the real prisoner here is? How do you frame your day? I'm locked up to a Roman guard, and every eight hours, they switch roles. Who do you think the real prisoner is? I'm getting to preach to a captive audience. Man, that is a made-up mind. That no matter what I face, I'm still going to share the gospel. I'm going to frame it the right way. I'm going to share the gospel no matter what. Basically, he's saying, I get a new influential person every eight hours who has to sit here and sit by me and guard me, but in the same hand has to hear the message of the good news of Jesus Christ for eight hours a day. And he can't go nowhere because he has to guard him. So he will tell him the good news for eight hours. And then, you better watch out, that guy's going to be talking about Jesus and switch. <laughs> By the way, Jesus Christ will save your life. I'll tell you right now that he... <laughs> and, and he's like, who's the prisoner then? Because I have made the most of my opportunity, even if it feels like I'm in hell. But I'm telling you right now, I'm shining the light of Jesus in this situation. I will frame it the right way. Verse 14. <laughs> and he said, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have come even more confident in Christ, in the Lord. And guess what? It looks bad because I'm in chains. It looks bad. They're daring to proclaim the gospel even more boldly without fear. Hear me on this. They're daring to proclaim the gospel even more without fear because I'm in chains proclaiming the gospel eight hours a day to two guards. And if they see me doing it in a bad situation, what can they do without chains on them? So who wins? You see what I'm saying? He had a made-up mind. He chose that that day that I'm going to frame this for the glory of God. I'm not going to be mad about the situation. See, it's not the facts that are different. It's how you frame it. Whew. 
You've got to reframe it. And I get it. Many of you have had complications, life complications. Guess what? I'm not taking it lightly, but we all have. We all have different things that we're all going through. Every single one of us, there hasn't been a day without some kind of stuff going on. Stuff with your family. Stuff with your kids. Stuff with your neighbors. Stuff with the people you work with. Stuff, 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 stuff. Stuff with the doctor's reports. Stuff with, with bad behavior. Stuff with fighting with your spouse. Stuff with financial problems. Stuff with fear. Stuff with bad news. Bad news on bad news stuff. Bad news with your family stuff. Bad news with your extended family stuff. Work stuff. Stuff with your friendships. Stuff with work. Stuff with people you know. Stuff that's kind of trying to pull people apart. We're, we're faced with stuff all around us. And so often, so much of a life is generally decent. Most of the time, it's decent. But oftentimes, it's the small part of the stuff that ends up taking us out of the perfect will of God. It's the stuff that gets us out of the will of God. It's the little stuff that's going to cause us to be shifty and shaken and say, I'm done with this crap and I'm never coming back. Whiner's version. It's the little stuff that gets us going on the little stuff of, of whining and stuff. Instead of saying, no, I'm going to keep it on the light. I'm going to keep it on the sun. I'm going to keep it focused. I might be in change in this stuff, but I'm telling you right now, I'm going to preach the gospel in these chains. They're going to see the glory of God through this situation I'm dealing with. They're going to see the, the outcome going to be about him. Woo. See, there's a couple tools. Oh, i got to get going. Okay. There's a couple tools. Is this good? We good? It's cool in here. It feels good. And then we're preaching. Okay. Could be hot and you're waving your fan and from the bank and... Okay, um, I'm hot because I just have problems. <laughs> ah, three tools I, I need to give to you to, to help you renew your mind and help you uh, change your thinking, uh, which will change your life. The first one is uh, encourage you occasionally to thank God for the things that did not happen. It's going to change your life. Thank God for the things that didn't happen. I heard this I heard this, this story that was so wild. I'm going to read it to you. Small, quick, to the point. <coughs> there was a 20-year-old girl, and she needed to talk to her parents. There's some serious stuff going on. And you know how you need to talk to somebody, and you just want to get it all out before they respond because people like to overtalk you? Just let me talk it all. Let me say everything, and then you can respond, okay? Because <laughs> that happens because we're like, we want to jump in. and be like, Oh, well, what about this? But hold on. Let me just say all I got to say. And then you respond. 20-year-old girl says, Mom and Dad, I've got some really bad news to tell you. I need you to sit down. We're going to sit down. We're going to have a talk. Let me tell the whole story, and then you can respond. Stay calm, but it's bad news. I went out to the bar with this guy. We drank some. Um, I shouldn't have went, but I did. And ended up drinking a little bit and went to the apartment. We hooked up, and I'm embarrassed to say I'm pregnant now. now those things are... Serious deals because you just had a moment, one night stand. And she said, but the good news is, is that his probation will be over in a year. And he's going to start looking for a job. And once he's out of rehab, 
he's going to consider marrying me. But since he can't afford to marry me right now, we're just going to move in together right now. And there was a big pause and a big moment of silence. And she said, actually, Mom and Dad, none of that's true. I just got a D on my exam. I just want you to know it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> and how many of you know we need to be thanking God for what didn't happen to our children at times? Because <laughs> when you think of that whole story and all that and your heart's falling and you're sinking and then it's just the D, like the D don't seem too bad compared to what she just said to us. You want to kill her though, but you're just like, but she said, you know, it could have been worse. <laughs> and, and, and what's crazy is we need to thank God for the things that, is, that has happened you know, that, that God prevented that didn't happen in our lives. I mean, there's times where people, we, we thank God for stuff that didn't happen. Um, you know, maybe, maybe uh, you've been in a situation and it, it could have been a lot worse. Um, I remember a few months ago, Misa, you got in a bad wreck with two of your, with your babies. She was driving and, and you know, if, if you're on top of water, there's no stopping. It just, you're sliding across water. And she was up on a, on the road and went down on the hill, the ravine area, spun around. The, the car should have flipped over and over and over, and it was a miracle how it even landed. And, and it, it shook them all up. It was just her and the kids. And, and the car, you know, that they've, they've worked hard for and been blessed with and, and, and paid on and all this stuff, and, and <clears throat> those are bad moments. You know, you could have looked at it and been like, my goodness, what the... Got to deal with the creditor, or the debt people, and the insurance, and oh my gosh, I don't have a car right now, and I, how am I going to get to work? Or, or we can thank God for what didn't happen. Hey, nobody got hurt. We, weren't, we didn't do a funeral for your wife or your children. You know what I mean? Like, they're well. They're, it's well with their soul. And, and, and yeah, did, did a, uh, your car get totaled, but you're driving some big hee-haw truck out there, big gangster you could use a dodge about now, um, truck. But God blessed you with that because that that's an unreal story anyway of how you paid for that or what, even got it for that price. But we, we got to thank God for what didn't happen. We didn't have hurt kids. It, the car might have got hurt. Something might have got totaled, but I didn't get totaled. You see what I'm saying? Like we, we got to reframe our, our thoughts and the whole scheme of things there, there are some things that are a big deal, but oftentimes it's, like I said, it, it's, it, it's the small stuff that's going to end up taking us out. Because we try to magnify the small stuff and it blows up too big and it, it tries to take us out. And if we take a step back, I'll tell you this, if we take a step back and broaden our perspective and focus on, you know, uh, what we hate, then we're not going to go anywhere. But if we step back and focus on the things of God, it's going to launch us into better things in our mind. It's going to reframe our thoughts. Thank God for what didn't happen. There's so many things that could have taken people out, but it didn't. Thank God. Anybody have a thank God moment of what didn't happen because it could have happened to you? Absolutely. Thank God for those things. Because it could have been a different way. The second one is we need to practice pre-framing. Pre-frame it. That's, that's important. Pre-framing is deciding how you'll frame the situation before you engage into the situation. When you pre-frame it, it, it sets the course for it. Too many times in the bad ways is, let's go back to our picture here. 
in the bad ways, if we're pre-framing it, we're already looking at it saying, oh, this is going to be bad. This meeting's going to be horrible. This ain't going to work out. I hate people. <laughs> this is bad. And, and if you're pre-framing this, walking into a situation bad and thinking it's not going to be good, guess what? It's not going to be good. But if you pre-frame it good, the sun is shining. Instead of saying all that, we're, you know what, today, I know we're tired, but we're going to give our best. We're going we're gonna to give our best in this today. We're going to do our best. We're going to be productive. We're going to do whatever we can. I'm going to change the way I think. I'm gonna, it's going to be a good day. We're going to lead people. We're going to invest in people. We're going to see people. We're going to help people. No matter where you work or what you do in life, you're around people. And, there's, and let's just be real about it. We're all around broken people. And what do we do when we frame it? Can we be like, oh, so-and-so's here again. They drive me crazy. Like, let's, if I was going to be 100% at times when we were doing food giveaway, there's certain people that I was like, oh, help me. Oh, some bird man's here again wearing his hat. Which, there was a guy that literally put on a huge hat that was a bird and was running around out here. And I'm like, dude, get in your car. You might have COVID. No, <laughs> you got bird flu now. You know, like, get in your car. You know, But... But I could have framed it bad and negative, or I could have just framed it and said, you know what, I'm thankful he's here. We're going to bless him. We're going to bless his family. We're going to bless whoever he's around because there's more than enough. It's how you frame it. It's how you frame the things. The way you frame it often changes the perspective of it. I'll tell you a quick story about me in the end, and then we're going to shift gears because the quick story about me is how I framed it is when I was in junior high, I tried out for basketball, Okay. I didn't make the team, and this ain't a Michael Jordan story, okay? <laughs> so I didn't make the team. Something happened, and I don't know what happened, Dad. I think something with the, uh, what was it, the physical. I don't know what it was with that. They lost the paper. The paper got lost. Either way, I had to go get another physical. So by the time I got there to do it, they tell me that they don't have my physical paper because I can't do anything without the physical. I missed a whole day. I had to go get my physical. By the time I got back, they were already towards the end of it. I tried to jump in. I went the whole next day. Because I missed the day, I couldn't make the team. Because they didn't see all the other things they practiced that I could have probably done. So I missed all that. And here's the crazy thing. So at the end, this is at Otter Creek. So everybody, if you ride the bus, you go sit in the, into the gymnasium waiting for first hour. You get in those bleachers. But what they did was they posted who got on the team down in front of the, uh, the locker room area. <clears throat> so guys were coming off the bleachers, coming. So I walked down. But the pressure, because everybody knows why we're walking down, the pressure of looking at it. And everybody's looking at you. And, and, and looking at you, wondering if you made it or if you didn't. And, it, and it's all going to be on how you respond. And going up there, and your name wasn't on it. And what a, what a moment. You felt embarrassed. You felt like, and you had to walk all the way. And the whole place is full of people. And they all see it like, that guy sucked, man. Look at him. He's walking. <laughs> Stinking thing. You know, and, and, and that pressure, what happened was, it was so much pressure that I pre-framed the negative in all the pressure. I reframed it. It reframed and set a course in my life. That I didn't even try out for anything else. I didn't try out eighth grade year. I didn't try out in high school. My, one of my great friends was the, the, the point guard, the, the captain of the basketball team. I would put it on him every time we would play in, the, in his house. And he'd be like, why aren't you playing with me? Why aren't you playing for me? Like, hmm. 
And I love playing basketball. But it reframed everything, how I did things, how I wanted to succeed. It reframed. It, it literally locked me in, thinking that, you know what, I'm going to fail. It's going to be noticed. Everybody's going to see it. And I, so I started pre-framing things and not accomplishing things, not fully going after it because I didn't want to fail because I've already felt what it felt like and everybody saw it. I don't know if that registers to anybody, but it registers to me because there's a lot of pressure. And so what I did is I, I reframed it. And, and now what I'm doing now in my life, obviously, is I've taken that situation with the experience I have now and reframed everything. And I'm prepared to be a great pressure player, to work under pressure. Because I've figured out that if I frame it with Christ, that he's going to protect me. He's going to guide me. He's going to lead me. And I'm not going to have so much pressure because he's going to put the pressure off of me. And allow me to do what I'm called to do. Because of my experiences, God has enabled me to be a great under pressure, to do things great under pressure. To be calm in, in the pressure. Before I wasn't. I would freak out. I've had to have, you know, to be... Um, in crazy leadership situations and be calm and be well under pressure and have to deal with certain things and um, how, how to lead and how, you know, never see myself making those mistakes and failing, but all I can see myself is succeeding because I've framed it that I can succeed because Christ is within me. I can see myself walking in the power of his will and the spirit because I've, 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 I've framed it to, to succeed. Some of you, you've got to reframe it. Because, man, I'll tell you right now, I wish I could go back to high school and junior high with the knowledge I have right now. Woo, Jesus. It'd be a whole different ballgame with the, the, the passion and desire and the boldness I have now. The third thing is, is you've got to look for God's goodness. This is the last thing. You've got to look for God's goodness. You've got to look for his goodness. It's everywhere, church. We're looking too many times. We try to look for the big, big stuff. And sometimes it's in the fragments. You put enough fragments together, guess what happens? You've got a beautiful picture. It's just like all the little puzzle pieces come together, and it's going to do something incredible. But you've got to look for his goodness. His goodness is so good. You will always, i got to say this because this is the main thing I want to tell you. You will always find what you're looking for. I mean, we say that stuff, but really think about this. You will always find what you're looking for. If you're looking for good, you'll find good. If you're looking for bad, you'll find bad. <coughs> Whatever you look for. If you want to see the wrong in, in every single day, you'll find the wrong in every single day. You want to see the wrong in every single person, you'll find the wrong in every single person. If you want to look for God, you'll find and you'll see the faith and you'll find it. And you'll find that. If you want to see the best you can be, you'll find it. it, it it's as simple as a, um, a vulture and a hummingbird. What does vultures look for? Carcass, dead things. What does hummingbirds look for? Something sweet. Something so sweet. They, the vulture finds it daily looking for it. Whatever you look for, you're going to find. You will find everything you look for. And see, what I want to tell you is God is on a throne. We know that he's on a throne and he's good and it's powerful and he answers prayer. Look for God's goodness. That, that framework that we're talking about in reframing things, you've got to look for the goodness of God. Let Jesus frame it, church. Let him frame it. I'll tell you this. They, they said that. Can I give you just a little backup real fast? 
2020. They said that that was the worst year ever. I mean, how long ago was that? You know, 2020. Church all over the country were wondering how they were going to make it and come back from this. Do you remember this? Social distancing. Every single one of you in your own way had your own version of this. With work, with family, with school, how you were going to make it, how you were going to socialize. If your health was getting the best of you, if COVID jumped onto that, it could destroy. Now, we lost people. That was real. That stuff wasn't fake. That was real stuff. This ain't fake news and whatever. This was real stuff happening. But how were we going to make it? Can I tell you as a pastor, there was a massive amount of fear. What are we going to do if we can't meet? How are we going to help the people? Everything that the church stands for, the world is shutting down. How are we going to do this? And I know fear tries to grip us all, and we got to, like, like, take authority. But there was a moment. How do you navigate through something for months and months and, and months, over three months? And then there was this. Ready? If we open. I need you to remember this. If we open... Well, if we reopen, you're dangerous. And that's probably what some of you thought. If we open too soon, you're dangerous. If, if you don't reopen, you have no faith. That's what others you thought. Well, you, where's your faith? Well, you're dangerous. Well, where's your faith? Do you understand the weight that I had to hold on to? <laughs> and then there's the whole mass thing. Meaning if, if you wore your mask, you were a, a flaming liberal. And if you didn't wear your mask, you were dangerous to the world. And I mean, we're talking hatred from Christians. Mean Christians. Saying all kinds of stuff. And we're sitting back trying to figure out, God, what do you want us to do? Because I can't listen to them because I'm hearing everything. And I am taking in consideration everything, but God, I need your will, not theirs. And then there was the, the growing awareness of the racial tension that was happening in the middle of all that. People going everywhere, out on the streets and picketing and doing all this stuff. And in the purest intentions, trying to love people, we seemed like it, we didn't do it exactly right because there was no right way to try to do it when there was so much tension. And then you had the political divide and we're dealing with it still. <laughs> the political stuff that goes on with, with who's president, who wants to be president, and who's getting indicted, and who, the, 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 I'm talking 2020 though. And then we find ourselves in the middle of a, a difficult situation looking and going, this was the worst year ever. This was crazy. Or was it? Or was it? Because when I start looking back in my pictures, thank God for how you can do with Google. Now, this is Google. You can go back, and they save your picture, and you just go all the way back to 2020. And I start scrolling through my pictures. I take a glimpse of what I saw. And I don't know if you know this or not, and I'm not trying to just for myself, but I was probably one of the first ones quarantined, probably in our country. I was quarantined in January, right at the beginning, for a month. I went into the doctor, and I couldn't breathe. And I had, the, I had A and B, C, D, E, F, G, like all of them. I had the strep. I had all of it. And they said, there's something you have that we don't know what it is. But you need to go home and just let it weigh itself out. 
And in that moment, in my spirit, I felt like I need to quarantine. I don't even know why. And I locked the door and I shut the door and my family stayed away from me. I never came to church. You all had church without me for a month. I sat in my room for a month, almost on the verge of dying. I couldn't breathe. I, was, I lost a lot of weight. I was sweating through stuff. I could not breathe. Laying there. And I could have thought, man, this is the worst year yet. The doctor couldn't help me. Nobody could help me. And then the moment I came back to church, I came back within a, a few weeks of coming back, trying to get my strength and get into the word and get into the preaching and get into the worship. The church shut down. But by that time, I started thinking about it as my family, we met. And I looked at quarantine, and I looked at that, and I'm like, was it the worst year? Because me and my family, we went on many adventures. We went on trails. We did all kinds of stuff. I think we played every board game we own and some, every card game. It was like living back in the 90s and the 80s, and the, like, like going outside and playing and, and having family time. We found ways to celebrate birthdays by drive-bys. Happy birthday, sucker! <laughs> I mean, they're throwing cards like, it's your birthday. Don't touch me, COVID. Anybody get a drive-by birthday? I did. Somebody gave me one. Larry, you did too. You did too. Okay. So we did drive-by birthdays. I taught the kids, me and my wife, we taught the kids how to cook even more. They're excellent cooks. I mean, for real. They can throw down some grub. We taught the kids how to drive four-wheelers. We had money. We were going to go on vacation, but everything shut down. And we said, why don't we just make memories? And we got a good deal, and we bought two four-wheelers. So we just rode them. We taught them how to drive them and just drove around. We, we had a blast with that. Um, we had lots of bonfires. Anybody have lots of bonfires during COVID? We had... Lots of great experiences at home, worship experiences. We took communion as a family at home. Even put grape juice in a poop cup. <laughs> and I laugh about it because it was like one of the kids' emoji cups. But it didn't matter because we, we make it a shrine anymore. We're trying to make it so sacred, but God will just take whatever you have and do something great with it. And all we had was emoji cups, and one was a poop cup, a smiley face, and, and we had some glasses, and we had crackers, and we busted up crackers, and we sat around the TV tray thanking God for what he's done and where he's brought us from. Just don't lose that. Worship team, can I have you come up real quick? Right up here, like come this way, up through the front, right up these stairs. And I'll tell you this, and the only reason I'm having them come this way is because of this very thing. Is the worship team, they held it together during COVID. The worship team was with us when we were just doing church online. Remember? I'm trying to reframe it. I'm trying to show you real quick. I want to hold your hand. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm just talking to you like, don't touch me, I'm a man. I can do this. Oh, don't swerve me. Hey, how you doing today? <laughs> the worship team held it together. We would, have, we would have couches in here, and we would just go live. Or we would pre-record it, but we didn't, like, edit it. We just, like, it was whatever it was, it was raw. We held it together. And the crazy thing is, is in the midst of that, at times, there was 
come and goes. We've had people leave the church. We've had all kinds of weird stuff happen in between, in between all that. People coming around and leaving. We've went through a lot of transitions for real. But I will tell you this. Let me just say this. I would wait on your, your soothing music. Hit the brakes. Sorry. Chancho. Um, arriba. Because um, I want to show something. I'll, I'll, you understand. As a church, we started giving away food for backpacks. It was just for, for lunches. That was it. We, we didn't have it. We didn't have much. We had one little tent that we wore out, and we kept doing it. And we've realized that, okay, they're just getting peanut butter and jelly. I know we can do better than that. Nothing against the school system. So we started giving fun day Fridays. <laughs> on Fridays is where it was at. If you want something, something, you come in here on Fridays. Then we started getting more. Then we started trying to give it to the churches. And then they were hiding behind their doors like, hey, what do you need? I said, no, we're actually giving you stuff to give to the, to the people in the community. I mean, they, would barely let, they wouldn't even let me in. They were freaking out. Just leave it at the door. Okay. Whatever. I mean, your, your response is going to show what you feel to, the, you know, these people. Like, come on. I know we have to use wisdom, but I'm not afraid. Then we started giving away 30,000 pounds of food a week. A week. It was all how we framed it. And in the same hand as we were framing it, and there was nobody here, we started to remodel the church. We started painting the front, down the hallways, into the back, started doing things around we got the floors, and we started doing all this stuff. And the church was closed. We put an extra parking lot that's growing grass now for some reason, but, but it wears me out. I, I spray it all the time. But we put a parking lot in when nobody was here to put cars on it. Now, that doesn't make sense. Why would you do an add-on when there ain't nobody here to add on? Because we walked by faith, not by sight. And because we had cars driving through it, and we had to secure that area because it was weakening, okay? Why it was closed. We started church online, YouTube. We started doing that during COVID. We didn't do that before. We've always done the podcast, but we decided to do that. We strengthened our church giving online. And if you're wondering, you're like, what is that about? You can give online. You can give anywhere. Well, I didn't come to church, so I didn't give. That's, that's your fault. You can still give. We've had people from other countries give to the church. We've had people go online and give and believe what God's doing here. And so stay faithful. So that happened, and, and we, we were able to sustain through that because the reality is what I was praying and I was afraid of at times. If people don't continue to stay faithful to God, we can't keep these lights on. And then they'll think the leadership's in a bad place, but it's not them. It's the people that don't want to give because we're trying our best. But if people don't want to tithe, I can't make them. I can't make them be faithful to God when they make money and they know this is the house of the Lord and it says to do it. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, this, I'm just, can I, I'm just sharing my heart. And it was a struggle. And I, if I'm being 100%, it's still a struggle at times for me because I'm like, why can't we stay faithful? Because God's wanting to do something. We're trying to move forward to the things that he's trying to get us to do here in this place. But it's got to take people investing in it too. We did a drive-through Easter giveaway. Never done that before. Giving away candy. Had the mask on the, on the big old bunny and did that only with eight people. Holy cow. Then later we did an, a, a Halloween one. 
We were like, we're going to shine a light. We got tons of candy. Let's go. And we packed out. I promise I've walked this land more than probably anybody. Over in circles, over and over and over and over and over and over and over in this property. Because we, I, I made sure that I met every person at their car. Every person. Thank you for coming. We're, we're just here to be a blessing. Do you need prayer today? What's going on? We, we saw all kinds of stuff happen. I'm just bringing up the past because I want you to know how we frame it. And sometimes we forget we gave away all that stuff. Um, we started going down in the avenues and giving away. So we shut down some of the giving right there, and we were like, let's just take it to the streets. Let's just see what that's about. Why not? Who cares? And it was amazing. We had people that were sitting on there, some OGs sitting down on their, on their rocking chairs on the edge of the street, and they're like, what do you want? Now, this is against a lot of racial tension, and I'm the only white dude in a big old truck. Hey, guys, you want some food? They said no. I said, no, hold up. You can't tell me you don't want no free food. And you're like, free food? Let's go. You know. And this dude starts running down the street saying, the church is here. The church is here. The church is here. Literally running around the block, yelling the church is here like a modern day John the Baptist. Probably half drunk, smoking weed, whatever the case was, but he was yelling it. And he knew everybody because by the time I hit that other block, there were 50, 60 people waiting to get some food. And I gave it all to him. One of my favorite things that happened was that we, we did a barn party, but didn't invite a bunch of people. <laughs> Some people were upset about that. But I did because of still the stuff that was going on, and people didn't take, they didn't like that. But they'll get over it, and they did. <laughs> but I did it only for the volunteers that have sacrificed so much. We did a barn party, and only for the volunteers, only. And I had food brought in, and they were mad. Y'all were mad, because I had 30,000 pounds of food brought in. And they're like, oh, you're trying to celebrate us? And look, you're about to do a food giveaway. And I said, I am. I said, but I'm giving it to you. This is yours. Do whatever you want with it. 30,000 pounds just for the volunteers. And I'm telling you right now, you all packed it in your cars, left and right. Some of you were mad because you didn't grab the right stuff and grab the wrong stuff. And, and, and some of you gave it to friends and family. And I said, whatever you want to do with it, just take it. Be done. And it was amazing. This did. Let me show you something real fast. I know we got to go. I just want to show you this. I, wanna, I want you to see this as we leave. Last year around this time, they declared a pandemic that shook the world. Everything started to shut down. Grocery stores started to become empty. Large gatherings, big arenas started to shut down. Schools started closing. Churches started closing. No more restaurants. People started working from home, doing school at home. Everything started to come in close almost grip us, try to destroy us. Last year around this time, we declared war. We chose to step outside of the church. We chose to raise a standard. We chose to be a light in the darkness. We chose to be an essential worker. We chose to be a first responder. We chose to go outside of the walls. We declared war on the enemy. We weren't backing down. 
we weren't going to stop. We were just getting started. We were excited about what God had in store. We declared it. We knew that God wanted to use us, that there was no heart God couldn't mend, that there was no wound God couldn't heal, that there was no pain God couldn't redeem. We knew that there was no enemy God couldn't defeat, that there was no bondage God couldn't break, that there was no need that God couldn't meet, that there was no mountain that God couldn't move, that there was no relationship God couldn't restore, that there was nothing that God couldn't do through us. Last year at this time, we declared war. You can play. I want to tell you, church, you know, that, that video makes me so emotional because it was so amazing what God did. And it makes me emotional in a different way because there's a few of them that don't go to this church anymore. stand with me because we're going to pray and get out of here. I know this went a little long, but I needed to tell you that. I needed you to remember we framed it the right way. But it's time to frame it again. No matter what you face, if it was the worst year ever in 2020, look what the Lord has done when we framed it the right way and said, no, we choose to do it. We will stand out there. We will serve our community. We will do whatever it takes. We can't get complacent and go as business as usual. And so when you're dealing with your things in your mind, I'll tell you this, you got to frame it. We look back at the years, and at first glance, it looks like the worst year, but it wasn't. There was incredible, incredible moments when, when I reframe it. When I look back at the church that closed down for months and the audience was kind of scarce when we started, then I start reframing it again and thinking, you know how many salvations we had in the parking lot? You know how many people got set free in that parking lot? Literally, people were healed in that parking lot. Literally coming back saying, I don't have that anymore. I'm healed. I'm healed. Set free from from drugs and I mean there were people strung out and we were just praying over them and kept praying for them and kept calling them by name and calling them by their purpose and reframing it for them and helping them we got to reframe it we got to reframe it we got to because in other words if, if God is working all things for the good then it's time to reject the unhealthy thoughts because our unhealthy thoughts aren't going to take us anywhere. we got to reframe it. And what, what we're doing, we're not passively receiving criticism, but we're actively interpreting it. I say it like this, and I put it on the screen. We're not interpreting the goodness of God through our circumstances, but we're interpreting our circumstances through the goodness of God. Man, you got to get that. I'll put that online. We're not interpreting the goodness of God 
through our circumstances, but we're interpreting our circumstances through the goodness of God. We just got it backwards. We just got it backwards. See, what has happened is actually served to advance the gospel. I don't care what change you're in, and, and, and the chains that you have, how are you viewing it? How are you, you framing it? How have you done all of the things that you, you're doing? You cannot control what you, <laughs> you cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Let me say it again. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. What happens to us? That 2020, I just went back a couple years. That was crazy, but how did we frame it? How did we frame that? There's proof. How did we frame it? And so whatever you're dealing with, if that was a worst-case scenario, whatever you're dealing with right now, if you frame it the right way, God's got, it, God's got it in control. Do not be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many in here would raise their hand and say, you know what, I need to reframe some things? Anybody? I, I, I'm raising, I got two hands, I just got one on the mic. I need to reframe some stuff. It's, it's messing my life up. It's messing my, 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 my life, my mind, where I'm, what I'm thinking about. I got to frame it on the goodness of God. I got to put it on the Son of God. I cannot frame it on what's negative in all the cloudy days and thinking that it's not good. It's still good. Thank God it rained today because I'm telling you, it's dry out there and we needed it. And how many of the farmers were saying, amen, I've been praying for the rain. You know what I'm saying? So what you think is negative, a farmer's praying that it comes. It's all in our what? Framing. It's all in our perspective. God is so good. So let's pray. I'm going to close. Just close your eyes. We're just going to pray. They're going to sing, and we're going to get out of here. And I just want you to dwell on this thought. <coughs> it's time to reframe your thoughts. So God, we ask. Come on, church. Just get in this moment. We ask God today by your power, by your spirit, that you would help us reframe some of the things going on in our lives, God. God, reframe our minds in any area, God. Fill it with the stuff, God, of your will. Fill it, God, where we're confused and where we're hurting, God. Replace it, God, and where we're disappointed, God, and we're afraid. God, help us to reframe these thoughts, God. God, I thank you, God, for what you're doing, God. I know people are dealing with burdens and dealing with some stuff, and they raise their hand, and almost the majority of the church raise their hand, and say, i got to reframe a couple things. God, I pray that we start right now, God, as we leave this place, that we're not going to take it. We're not going to settle for it. We're not going to deal with it. I'm <laughs> Basically, like what we were saying earlier, I'll tell you right now, devil, I'm not going out that way. I'm going to reframe it. So, God, I pray that you touch us, God, in this moment that we reframe it to your goodness, God. And we, we were reminded of how good you were to us in a terrible moment, God, that we reframed it just like, just like Paul had to reframe it. Thank you for what you're doing. Have your way, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to worship.